0: Amen. Our scripture comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, updated. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement, and that there be no division among you, but that you be knit together in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been made clear to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the house of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize but to proclaim the gospel and not with eloquent words so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you, Lord, because I know that you're going to speak to us through it. I ask that you will open our minds, our hearts, and our spirits to receive it, and that we will learn something new this morning. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we continue in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And as I told you last week, when Paul writes this letter, he writes it to the Corinthians. But then he says, and to all those who call Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. So he basically says that we are included in the recipients of this letter. So as we go through this, I just want you to remember that this applies to us as much as it applied to the Corinthians, that this is written to us for today, because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He begins the letter after giving, you know, his, his opening statements and remarks with an appeal, with an appeal to the church. And an appeal is a serious or urgent request typically made of the public. Now we're all very familiar with appeals, because we hear appeals all the time. When the storms happened last week, immediately the appeal went out to the general community to start gathering supplies, right? Because people were left without homes, and people were left without clothes, and people were were left without food, and so many needs were were present. Whenever there's a natural disaster like that, we, we always hear appeals to the general public. It is a request that invites us to take action. It's not just information for you to go, oh, that's nice. It's something for you to hear and then to react to by taking some form of action on behalf of those who have been affected. An appeal always, always, always invites action. It's never just information. It's always to elicit some action on our behalf. And it always makes a case by providing information and details that help us to understand what is going on, what is needed. You know, they don't just tell you about the disasters. They show you pictures of the house torn down, right? They show you the belongings of people that have been blown out. They show you the devastation of the storms so that you will be more moved to go ahead and respond to the appeal and do something, but you know that's appeal with in the grand scheme of things, right? We're all used to those big appeals, but the reality is that we get appeals every single day. They come from all kinds of sources. If you have children, you know that there are experts in appeals. They look at you and they have those 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 those. Puppy eyes, you know, looking at you and they, I I need this. I will die if I don't have this candy bar that's on the shell, you know. I need to have this toy. All my friends have it. And they appeal to your heartstrings, don't they? But that's not the only place we see appeals. If you watch TV lately, you know that appeals appear all over the place. You watch football and the playoffs. There was a zillion commercials about ordering pizza or buying chips or having just the right snack for the game. There was appeal after appeal after appeal. And after a couple of hours of watching commercials for pizza, you get this strange idea that you should order pizza, right? (laughs) Somehow it just kind of reaches you. The appeal becomes more and more apparent. Appeal, like I said, tries to move you. It moves you from the couch to ordering that pizza. It moves you from seeing what your child wants to getting it and putting it in the cart. The appeal moves you to do something because you can't do otherwise. And when an appeal is successful, it changes something in you. It touches something in you. When Paul begins his letter to the church, he begins with an appeal. After introducing himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ, after telling them that he believes that they're fully blessed by God with all spiritual gifts, he says, I have something to request from you. I have something to ask of you. He says... I hear that there's disagreements and divisions among you. I want to appeal to you in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord so that you will be knit together in the same mind and with the same purpose in Christ. He says, this is what I want. Paul doesn't appeal to them by his own authority. He doesn't say, because you love me, Paul, because I'm such a great leader. He says, because you love Jesus Christ, I appeal to you to be of the same mind and purpose as Christ. Paul here is not calling on them to love him more, to do what he says because he's the leader and the boss. He's simply appealing to them, based on their faith and their belief that Jesus Christ is their Lord and their Savior. You see, Paul has received reports from the people of Chloe's family, and we assume that's a family within the church. Somebody told. Somebody went to Paul and said, oh, you won't believe what they're doing. They're over there arguing about who's the greatest, who's the greatest leader, Who's got the most spiritual gifts? They're doing all of these disagreements in the church. You know, that never happens nowadays, but it happened a lot back then. You know, people always wanted to be the greatest. People always wanted to be the first. And they had been disagreeing with each other, and Paul hears about it. And Chloe's people had said, you know what they're doing now? They're arguing about who baptized who, and who's the greatest leader among the leaders that have come through the church. Now, we never compare pastors to previous pastors or anything like that. We just don't do those things anymore. But back then, they did that all the time. And apparently, this has gotten to Paul's ears, and, and he's very concerned about it. You see, the argument centered about who they belong to, whether they belong to Apollos or to Cephas or to Paul or to Christ. And this has led to them becoming divided into factions. Well, you know, I really like Paul, or I really like Cephas, or I really like Apollos better. And they have become fractured as a congregation. They're no longer together because they're yawking for position and trying to say that the one who baptized them is the greatest. And you got baptized by some second-rate leader. You got baptized by somebody who's not as good as the one who baptized me. And Paul recognizes that this is getting in the way of the ministry of the church. Whenever we lose sight of Jesus being at the center of our ministry, we lose sight that we have to be of the same mind and of the same purpose as Christ. That he is why we are here So Paul's appeal says, I want you to be knit together. Knit together. And this is not the get-along shirt where you stick two kids in one shirt and hope they'll get along with each other. This is knit together in the sense of being diverse people coming from different backgrounds, coming from different experiences, and being woven together into the fabric of what is to be the church of Jesus Christ. Paul was recognizing, you oh, You all are different, and that's okay. It's okay to come from different backgrounds. It's okay to come from different experiences. But when we come together, we come together for a purpose. And that purpose is, is Jesus. That purpose is proclaiming the kingdom of God. That purpose is making sure that we are following the word of God. Paul is not advocating for all of them to be saying and thinking alike all the time. He knows that that's not a reality. But he is advocating is that when they come together they realize that there are certain things that are non-negotiable and that Jesus being the Lord is not negotiable. That Jesus being the leader is not negotiable. That Jesus being the focus of our faith is not negotiable. When we as diverse people are knit together for the kingdom of God, it produces a beautiful tapestry. It produces something new, Fresh and different, and no two churches are alike because no two churches have the same people. Have you noticed that? You can go to a hundred different churches and you will never find two churches that are completely identical because the people that form them are different. In what they should be the same, Paul says, is in thinking about Christ as the center of their ministry and the center of their focus and the center of their action. When we as diverse people come together, something happens. God brings together our gifts and our talents. He weaves them together in ways that work. And then we can agree on certain things. We can agree that Jesus is Savior and Lord of all. We can agree that he is the one who has touched our lives and changed them. We can agree that he can do the same thing for others. We can agree that he can redeem people from their sins and give them new lives. As Paul considers this argument, I think the more he thought about it, the more preposterous he found it, you know. Don't you all realize that all of these leaders that you have said you belong to follow Jesus? Ultimately, they all follow Jesus as the Messiah, the Lord, and the Savior of the world? He says, I'm glad I didn't baptize too many of you, because that way you can't brag that I baptized you. You can't go around saying... Paul baptized me because there's only a few of you that I baptized, And he, gives, he tells them who he baptized. He said, these are the only people I baptized. If anybody else says that I baptized them, they're lying because this is the only people that I remember baptizing. He says, but basically, I'm here to tell you that we're not here about ourselves. We're here about Jesus Christ we're not here to look good. We're here to, look, to share with the world how good God is in Jesus Christ. And we're here to tell you what he has already done and what he can do for you. Paul really wanted people to understand that it wasn't about Paul or Apollos or Cephas. It was all about Christ. And that the only name that they could go to for salvation was Jesus. Let's bring that home. There is no power in the name of Miguel or Jose or Jim or Kathy or anybody in here. There's only power in the name of Jesus for salvation. When we preach, when we praise, when we pray, when we express our faith in whatever way we choose, we are centering that on Jesus and him alone Christ alone is the foundation of our faith and when we center ourselves in Jesus it brings unity of mind and purpose because we are coming together at Christ and you can come from any direction and if you're meeting at Christ you're coming together in him now Paul acknowledged that this might seem like foolishness to the world That we're proclaiming Jesus and Him alone as the Savior of the world. That we're proclaiming one who died on the cross as the Messiah. That we are saying that He is the light and salvation of all nations. You know, the world doesn't like this. It doesn't make sense to the world. The world likes to have multiple options for things. And when it comes to salvation, there's only one option. And that's Jesus Christ. He says, I know that it seems like foolishness to the world, but to us who have been saved, it is the power of God for salvation. You know, you've got to know the fullness of God that was shown to you in Jesus Christ. And when you know that, then you can share about it. Then you can tell others. You know, he was trying to teach the Corinthians something. He says, you know, you pursue the kingdom of God, and if you've been paying any attention to what Jesus said, the one who wants to be greatest must be servant of all. The one who wants to be first must be last. The one who wants to pursue Jesus must take up their cross and follow him. This is not like anything else you have been a part of. And if you really want to follow Jesus you've got to give up that ambition of being the best or the first or the greatest. Because you need to be a servant of all as he was. He who humbled himself, emptied himself into human form to die on a cross for your sins, to give you eternal life. Well, this is the appeal that Paul is making to the church and to us today. And today, I just want to invite us to respond to Paul's appeal. To continue to be knit together as one church with the same mind and purpose that was in Christ, which was to bring his saving gospel to the whole world, to all those who are still perishing, to all those who haven't accepted him yet, to all those who still walk in darkness. He is inviting us to move, to share our story and our testimony of faith, of what Jesus has already done in us so that people can believe that he can do it in them as well. We respond to a lot of appeals all the time. We give in to a lot of temptations. What if we gave in to the appeal of being of the same mind and purpose of Christ every single day? What if we showed through our testimony that we believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world every single day and every single moment of our lives? And what if we told people he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Now, the world might call you fool. They might consider you foolish for saying that. But as Christians, we need to stick to that message because it is the truth that we believe. Let us be of one mind and of one purpose. The mind of Christ and the purposes of the kingdom of God in Christ so that others will know him and be saved let us pray Heavenly Father I thank you I thank you because as we draw closer to you we draw closer to each other in Christ we ask oh Lord that you will help us to continue to seek the mind of Christ in our own lives in our church in our ministry In everything that we do, knit us together, Lord, into the beautiful tapestry that is your church. And help us, Lord, to invite others to form part of your work here on earth. Help us to invite them to be part of your church, part of your ministry, part of your kingdom. We pray that in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. The altar is always open if you would like prayer this morning. If you're seeking to have the mind of Christ, we'll be glad to pray with you this morning.